Of course, we have been, uh, you know, all year long been ministering concerning being an overcomer, what it means to be an overcomer, uh, because this is, for us, at least for this house, it is the year of the overcomer, praise God. That's what we felt the Lord told us at the beginning of the year, and so that's what we've been doing every week, praise God, coming at you in another, uh, another angle, coming at it from this angle, that angle, praise God, uh, just trying to get, uh, really trying to come across to where you get anchored in who you are in Christ as an overcomer. And as Trudy was bringing out in that, praise God, the whole purpose of that uh, confession of faith, again, is to get it coming out your mouth, amen, start pushing back darkness, amen, the sword of the Spirit doing the work, and at the same time, it comes right back into the ear gates, praise God, lands in the heart, and you just keep it flowing, keep it working, praise God. And the more you can get it alive in your heart, amen, listen, when you get... When you get anchored on who you are in Christ, ain't no devil in hell can knock you off it. Ain't no circumstance can take it from you. Ain't no person talk you out of it. Amen. When you get it in here. If you don't get it in here, then you, all kinds of circumstances, situations, all kinds of pressure just knocks you off it. And next thing you know, you're up and you're down. Your words are going all over the place. Come on, somebody. You're starting to talk about not, not overcoming. You're saying something complete opposite. Amen. You know, the Word talks about not lying against the truth. James says, don't lie against the truth. Okay, and a lot of people say, well, I don't want to say that because that'd be a liar. I don't, I don't feel like an overcomer, so if I say I'm an overcomer, I'm lying. No, if you say the opposite, you're now lying against the truth. Because God says you're an overcomer. That was awful weak. God says you're an overcomer, so when you start saying something opposite of that, the word is clear, you're now lying against the truth. And we think we're lying because I don't feel, feel it. It has nothing to do with your feelings. It has nothing to do with how you, where you are emotionally. Okay, looks like I need to change my sermon today. Come on now. A lot of times we're always going based on what we feel. And that's why these confessions of faith, that's why we're doing it with our offering time, why we're doing it concerning overcoming. Amen. Why do we want it? Because we want to get this coming out of our mouth. I am an overcomer. Because God said I'm an overcomer. Amen. Hallelujah. I will conquer. I will prevail. Amen. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. Praise God. I am who Jesus says I am. Regardless of my emotions, regardless of how I feel. Amen. Because you let your feelings do the talking, I'm going to tell you what, it ain't going to be a good place you're going to head to. I mean, that's really what you stop and you think about it. It's why the, uh, you know, the, you know, they, uh, you know, heard of many a sermon on uh, uh, generational curses. And uh, a lot of times, you know, we, they come at it and talking about, you know, the, you know, about generational curses. And I'm not taking away from that, not denying that. But the only way that generational curses uh, have a place is because of generation after generation after generation. We keep saying the same dumb stuff. We agree with the enemy. So grandpa agrees with the enemy, and then he gets it, and then dad agrees with the enemy, and he gets it, and now I'm agreeing with the enemy, and I'm getting it. And you can blame it on, you know, grandpa all you want to. 
But when it really comes right down to it, it's the fact that you chose to believe what Grandpa said. You know, Grandpa taught it and we all bought it. Or maybe Grandma. Maybe it was Grandma. Grandma taught it and we all bought it. Come on, somebody. Nothing, nothing wrong with Grandma. We love Grammy. We love Grandpa. Come on now. But the point is this, okay, that's how this stuff keeps happening. That's why the enemy has a place all the time is because we have a tendency to say the things we shouldn't be saying. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Jesus said it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man. It's what comes out of his mouth that defiles him. So you got to get the right stuff coming out your mouth. And if you do it enough, it starts changing the heart, and pretty soon it becomes like automatic, praise God. Are you still with me? Whew, maybe I should do a whole sermon on that right now. All right, we'll leave it alone for a second, and we'll see where this goes. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians, if you will. Are you doing okay, or am I already run you off? You had a full sermon already. I know there's a lot to eat, right? Um. Praise God. Well, you know, you know what? I, I just, it's just going to be a sad day. Well, okay, i got to watch how I say that. That's not, maybe not the right way to do it. You know, I know when we get to heaven, the Word says there's no, there's no more tear. But I don't think you're going to get to heaven and be unaware of, of what you've, where you've come from, what you've done. You're, you're not going to be unaware of what you could have done different. Are you still with me? Because I believe that we're going to get there and find out, you know, the whole time he was there moving, the whole time he was there working, the whole time he was wanting to take care of that thing. But we wouldn't give him place because we were too busy buying into the lie and saying it and talking it all the time and then go around telling everybody. You know, the word says, say unto that mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And it said it would obey you. But we go around giving everybody guided mountain tours. You want to see how bad my mountain is? Let me tell you about my mountain. And then we all go around telling everybody our problems. And then we turn around and say, oh, no, my problem's bigger than your problem. No, no, no. Let me tell you about my problem. Come on. And we just keep going and just sing just a vicious cycle. And the enemy just stands back and laughs. The enemy don't even have to do anything. Because we're given place because of the power of words, because we've been made in his image and after his likeness, and we have creative ability. The same way everything that you see on planet Earth was created from, the word says literally, everything that is seen was created from something that was not seen. Words. And we have the same, same creative ability. It's been given us. We have dominion and authority on planet Earth. And if we're going to keep talking the junk, keep talking the issues, keep talking the problems, keep talking what ain't working, it never shifts and it never changes. It's time to change it. It's time to rise above it. It's time to win. It's time to conquer. It's time to take ground. It's time to be the people of God we're called to be. It's time, praise God, hallelujah, to make a difference on planet Earth. Can I hear a big amen? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Hallelujah. 
verse uh, 24. Are you glad you came out today? Am I boring you? All right. 1 Corinthians 9, here we go, verse 24, please. says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Obtain what? The prize, right? Now, we all, we're all called to run. My race is not against you. Your race is not against me. But we all have a race to run, right? And the, 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 the statement being made here is that that we all can obtain the prize. There's a way to do it. And if you do it right, you obtain the prize. Amen. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. It was just some natural thing, some natural little, you know, medal or, or little trophy or some kind of thing. I got a bunch of those old things as I, uh, you know, I, I used to run track. Uh, as I used to do even down as little as Junior Olympics, down when I was just a little, little bitty thing. And uh, used to run and do different uh, track events, track and field events, you know, long jump and triple jump and, and all kinds of races, you know, 100 meters, 200 meters, that kind of stuff. Uh, as I got older in high school, did more of that. And, and um, of course, high school was more, uh, started moving more towards like the quarter mile and running that kind of a thing. It was kind of my uh, specialty. Did a lot more hurdles and that kind of, you know, hurdle races and things too. As I got into college, it even got more defined. It pretty much just came down to quarter-mile events, running quarter-miles in either relays or uh, just uh, the actual quarter-mile uh, race itself. And that's, uh, you know, so the reason uh, bringing that up is just that, you know, you got a race to run, and there's a way that works and a way that doesn't. Are you hearing me? And he's talking about, and he's trying to give us uh, kind of an analogy of what it means to, uh, you know, to run a race uh, in, in comparison to a natural race. Now, in the naturally speaking, as, as I ran naturally, I had little medals I got and little trophies and all that kind of stuff. And as I was getting older, you know, I had your shelves. You'd put all this little stuff up there and hang this and hang that and all that was great. And got into college, and it was like, big deal. You know, I was going to put that stuff in a box, you know what I mean? And got older, got married. I said, Trudy, can I wear all my medals? She said, no. No, no, I didn't. Hallelujah. The point is, it's all perishable. The point is, it's just some natural trinket. But he says, naturally speaking, you ran for that kind of stuff. You know, even the Olympics, they'd run for, hopefully, for the gold medal. And I guess it is gold. So, I mean, that would probably be at least a, that probably wouldn't be so bad. But anyway, the point is, it's still perishable. Okay. Um, but the race we're talking about, amen, it, we, we can receive an imperishable crown, come on, and that's what we're shooting for, right? I want to win the prize, the right prize. How about you? Okay, all three of you. Let's try that again. How many would like to win the prize, amen, to obtain it? All right. And everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, nobody wants to be disqualified. Amen. Anybody in here can agree with that? 
Nobody wants to be disqualified. Um, you know, I, like I said, I used to run races, and I have actually was disqualified from, from some races. Uh, certain, depending on what level you're running at, if you, if you jump the gun, sometimes you don't get another shot at it. Sometimes that's just it. You're done. Uh, you, you jump too soon, and uh, they, they basically said, pick up your gear and move on. You know what I mean? I've had that happen once or twice, probably three or four times. Come on, somebody. But I had one time in high school where I, was, uh, I won the race, got down, I was done, I'd won the race, and there was somebody on the back corner called a line judge. It had a red flag he was waving. <clears throat> and uh, come to find out, um, I, had, I had stepped on the line too many times in a row, and even though I won the race, but there was somewhere on the back side that I had three steps in a row on the line, and it DQs you, it disqualifies you. And so nobody wants to be disqualified. Come on, somebody. And so anyway, a race to run. There's a, how many know there's a right way to run it, and there's a wrong way to run it? And if you do it right, amen, in this race, what we're talking about, if you choose to do it, do it right, run it right, you will obtain the prize, praise God. Amen. So we want to do it right. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, who'd have thought? Huh? We want to do this right. Okay, so back to verse 24. Let's kind of take a look at this. I'm actually talking today about a disciplined lifestyle. Now, the reason I'm going to bring this out is because I believe in a lot of areas of our walk, uh, you know, we, we bring a lot of headache and heartache on ourselves. And the things we're trying to overcome could, in, in some cases, could be just overcome just by a disciplined life. Sometimes we live a very undisciplined lifestyle, and it creates issues, creates problems. And here we are now, we're turning around having to believe God for a miracle to get through this or get past this or get over this, and the whole time we're creating it based on a lifestyle, based on a lack of discipline. Still with me? Aren't you glad you came out on a Sunday morning? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, so verse 24, let's look at a few things. We're going to pull out about, I don't know, maybe four or five different things here. And uh, just in this text about a disciplined life, he says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Run in such a way. One translation says run to win. Just run to win. All right? And so I'm just going to start off with this. You know, if you're, going to, if you're going to run this race, well, you've got to remain in the race. You've got to stay in the race. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, remain in the race. You know, you're not going to back out. You're not going to quit. You're not going to give up. Come on. You're going to stay in the thing. You're going to do it right. You're going to run it in such a way, amen, that you may obtain the prize. Amen. So that means you're going to have to stay in it. Amen. You're going to have to stay in this race. Well, it's hard. Of course it is. It's not always easy. But you got to stay in it. Come on, somebody. You know, I use the illustration sometimes, uh, uh, you know, uh, when, when I was um, in, uh, in high school, I'd, I'd run the 300 intermediate hurdles. And I remember one time was just not my day. And uh, I came out and went over the first hurdle. Uh, it was fine. I got my step off somehow. And I hit, I hit the second hurdle, got my leg wrapped up in it, and I kissed, kissed the um, uh, the ground, and um, wasn't fun, um, but I could hear on the backside uh, my coach. I can still to this day. I, I'll never forget it because I'm clear. He's literally on the 
in the grandstands on the very back up high going, Robert, get up and run. So coach is yelling, I get up and I take off. But now my step is completely off. I hit the next hurdle. Robert, get up and run. And I, I was, you know, about that shoot up, and the, the line judge says, I wouldn't. <laughs> Seriously, I wouldn't. And I, I took his word. I went walk back, I walked back to the starting block, grabbed my stuff, I headed for the bus. And I, one of those was one of those moments I regret. Come on, somebody. Okay? And nobody wants to live in regret. And so quitting, all it does is produce regret. Are you still with me? So you got to do what it takes to stay in the race. Amen. And uh, you don't want to quit. You don't want to back up. All right? And there's certain ways, uh, things that work and certain things that don't. All right? Philippians 3, just put that on the board, if you will. Philippians 3.14, he says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, of course, there's a whole lot being said here, but the point being is I stay in it. I keep pressing forward, okay? It didn't go, go right today. It doesn't matter. Get up, keep moving. You don't quit. You don't quit this Jesus thing. Come on, somebody. You don't quit this walk in God. Come on, we're, we move forward. That's what we do. And we got the overcomer on the inside. We got the greater one on the inside. We don't quit. We get up, we move, we, hey, how, let's go. Well, I don't feel good. Well, who, I mean, we've all been in those moments. We've all had the things that didn't go right. We all had the times when, when something didn't quite manifest like we wanted. You still get up and you still move forward. There's a many things in my life that have come to pass just because all I did was just put one foot in front of the other, even though it didn't feel right, feel good, even though everything around me seemed like it was busting apart at the seams. I just kept moving forward, and somehow or another, the Lord, amen, turned this thing around and caused it to work, praise God. There are many things in my walk, if it wasn't just, I mean, it just come down. If there's anything I could even remotely take credit for was I just got up and put one foot in front of the other. And even then, it's all debatable because the Holy Ghost was there drawing you the whole time. Come on, right? But the point is, sometimes people just lay there. Sometimes people get up, they turn around, they walk back to the bus. There's nothing back there. I said there's nothing back there. So we got to move forward. So you got to stay. You got to remain in the race. You got to remain in it. You got to stick with it. You keep pressing forward. You know the word press, when you even, even remotely think about the word press, implies there is resistance. There's always resistance. So you have to understand when you get up and you move forward, there is going to be things opposing you. That's why you press. Everybody say press. In fact, I coined the word persistence. Come on, somebody. You got to keep pressing with persistence. Amen. Regardless of what's, I mean, sometimes you feel like everything just pulling. You want to do that one again? You just got to keep pressing forward. 
Sometimes that's all that matters. We, I mean, sometimes that's all we got going for. We just keep pressing forward. Whew. We're in a society today that, um, in, in, as a whole, uh, I'm not saying that you're, you're guilty of any of this, but as a, a society as a whole where, you know, it's all about, you know, a microwave, drive-up window kind of mentality, you know, instant information. You know, you got an iPhone, you can, you can Google something on a dime, you know, or, or on a split second, I mean. And, uh, you know, not that, that, not that you shouldn't do that, but I'm just saying that that's the way it is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, in a sense, too, a shortcut-prone society. <clears throat> Are you with me? And we'll do anything we can to, to cut it, you know, do a shortcut, but in the kingdom of God, there are no shortcuts. Now, listen, there's advantages in the kingdom, but not shortcuts. You know, I talked about being disqualified. The rule is you can touch the inside line every other step. And that's, that's the way I ran every time I hit the circle or hit the curve. Okay, but somewhere along the line and back there, I hit my second step my other leg on that line, and the line judge caught it, and that was it. That's all it took. You think that that one little step there made a difference in my time? Not one bit. Still won the race, but it doesn't matter. You're DQ'd. You're disqualified because you didn't run it right. And I don't want to be guilty of being disqualified because I'm too busy trying to take shortcuts. Come on, a lot of people make, a lot of times some of the pressure we're dealing with is because we're trying to take shortcuts everywhere. Just walk it out. Just keep moving. Just keep doing, praise God. Listen, all you ever get with a shortcut is cut short. One brother said it this way. He said, there's no place worth going that has, that, there's no place worth going that has shortcuts. Every place out there you want to go to, it always seems like you got to go drive One time, my folks came out here to visit, and we're, of course, going over the mountain pass. We think we know we're the coast or something for a little bit. And You know, I'm from Nebraska, right? So, you know, you know Nebraska's straight lines. Every mile, another line, another road. And then another, crossing that, every mile, another road. Fields, it could be, it could be this kind of fields. It could be flat. doesn't matter. Every mile. We come out here, and they're riding in the back, and they're saying, isn't there a straight road anywhere in Oregon? <laughs> nope. Not very many of them. Because we have terrain. But when you get there, you go, "Woo! God's country. Hallelujah. Right? So there's no really no shortcuts. Even in the kingdom of God, there's no, no, no shortcut to any place worth going. It's better just stay with it, keep moving forward, amen. Work through the thing, amen. Don't try to avoid everything. Uh, put the, uh, is it uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5? And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he, uh-oh, competes according to the rules. Somebody said, they put that in the Bible? I mean, even in the Bible it says you can't cheat. Come on, right? Come on, there's a rules. There's a ways to do things. Amen. 
And, uh, you know, when you're trying to cut everything short, you're trying to uh, take shortcuts everywhere, guess what? All you're going to do is come up short. Look at your neighbor and say, no, no shortcuts. Amen. Do everything, do everything right. Again, in the kingdom of God, there's advantages. I mean, you can't, you can't talk about the Holy Ghost, the helper, without knowing you've got the advantage, man. But see, with the advantage, you don't have to take shortcuts. With the advantage, amen, you could move along in life, do this thing right, do it according to the rules, get crowned in the end. Why? Because I kept leaning on all the advantages that God gave me. And nothing consumed me. Nothing took me under, praise God. I remain as the head, not the tail, and above only and not beneath, praise God. Even in those moments it looked like nothing was going my way, I still remained on top. Are you still with me? All right, let's try another one here. Go back to 1 Corinthians verse 25, uh, 9.25, thank you. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. Everybody say temperate. It says there is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. So the second one I'm going to talk about is remaining temperate, okay? So everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. What does the word temperate mean? It means to exercise self-control. You might see in a cross-reference. It literally, if you break it down, it it refers to uh, exercising self-restraint is more about what it refers to. Everybody say self-restraint. All right? So all that means is, bottom line, it breaks down to conviction. Breaks down to drawing boundaries in your life. Still with me? So it's, it's about, you know, having restraint. Uh, the, the opposite of that, uh, the word uh, in Galatians 5, for instance, and I, like verse, verse 22, I believe it is, uh, it, it says, it talks about the works of the flesh, and it talks about, it uses a word called lasciviousness, depending on your translation, licentiousness, okay? And all it means is out of control. All it means is no restraint. Okay, so part of the works of the flesh is you have no restraints, you have no boundaries. So you're all over the map. You have no conviction, all right? And we got to maintain some convictions. Listen, some of the problems, some of the, some of the pressures that we deal with is because of a lack of conviction. So we... we Feel like it's okay, so we do it for the moment. Even though inside we know, yeah, we shouldn't. But it doesn't matter. That's how I feel right now. So what happens is you cross that line. Now it created all kinds of issues. Now you have issues at home. You have issues with the family. You got issues with your finance. You got issues with your health. All because you you had no restraint. guess it's not one of those run around hallelujah type messages, is it? <laughs> but do you want to obtain the prize? Well, this is what we're talking about. Personal consecration or, you know, setting yourself apart. In other words, having some boundaries is the greatest defense against any pressure. Because here comes the pressure. And if, you're, if, you, if, you, if you cave to it, then you change with the wind. 
And then what happens is it just, here it comes, and then it just dictates and controls. It calls the shots. But when you stand firm in who you are and what your conviction is about things, amen, I refuse to go there. I refuse to think that. I refuse to talk that. I refuse to act that. I refuse to go there. What happens is that can come all day long, and even though there might be a, uh, there might be a moment or two that's uncomfortable, but you stand firm in who you are. And if you stand firm in who you are, after a moment or two, it's gone. The Word even talks about, but for a moment. And in context, it says that the only way that it's a moment is if you, amen, you're not moved by how it looks. But the minute you're going to be up and down with it and wavering with it, it, it your moment might turn into a week, might turn into a month, might turn into a year. God forbid, but it might turn into a decade. Anybody hearing me? But if we stand firm, you're, we're amazed at how many of the pressures that the enemy places or pushes on, how many areas he pushes on, it'll just cease if we just remain secure in who we are. Come on, somebody. We just remain temperate, praise God, and have some self-restraint about some things. Still with me? You know... Um, you know, when I was early on, of course, I use it since we are talking about kind of athletic kind of analogies here. Um, you know, early on in, in high school, you know, when I first, uh, you know, was in, in, you know, running in there in high school, uh, you know, we you had liberties a little bit because, you know, they, you know, the parents send you off on the bus and, and uh, you know, we get to the town where we're going to run and, and then, you know, they gave us a little bit of time because we had a little money. We can go maybe go get a snack or something and, and then, you know, get back to the track and all that kind of stuff. And so first time, hey, Twinkies. Woo! Load up on Twinkies. I got enough money to buy the box. Come on. All right, Robert, you're up. Let's go. You got to run. I don't feel so good. I don't care. Get up there and run. Are you sure? You run your race. What happens? I'm on the backside over there doing something that I wouldn't be doing if I wouldn't have been eating Twinkies. Now I'm miserable. I did horrible in the race. Hello. I'm embarrassing myself with all this. <laughs> Do I need to be more graphic? Listen, I'm saying, see, if I'd have had a little restraint, I might have even won the race. And I wouldn't be over there all bowed over in pain, re-eating Twinkies. You will not forget this message. <laughs> yes, there's all kinds of free. Yes, amen, brother. <laughs> Everybody say, remain temperate. Remain temperate. Hebrews 12, please. Verse 1, put that on the board. Therefore, since we, uh, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, of course, chapter 11 talks about those patriarchs of faith, those witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, 
Okay, so in other words, here we're seeing the same kind of thing. Amen. But you have to lay some things aside. Come on, use some restraint. Right? The weights, burdens, things like that. There's, there's things that, you know, you need to lay aside. There's no, why, don't let that stuff dictate and be the thing that bogs you down all the time. Some of that stuff you need to let go of. Amen. Sin, which so easily ensnares us. The word sin in itself means uh, to know to do good and not to do it. Nobody, this, when it, he's talking about sin, which so easily is not like one day you go, oh my gosh, I sinned. No, you knew exactly what you were doing because sin is to know to do good and choosing not to do it. Now, you might have went, oh, my, I made a mistake. That's different. Amen. Not every mistake is sin, but every sin is a mistake. Are you with me? Big difference. Okay, so he's saying this stuff here, laying things aside. See, the thing about it, he didn't say every mistake which so easily ensnares us. Because we all make mistakes. We all move along and doing, uh, you know, this thing and walking this thing and running this race. And you're always going to come across new territory, doing things you've never done before, trying to move forward, trying to take ground. And you're always going to stumble along the way once in a while. There's always going to be times you're going to get tripped up by things. But you get back up again. But sin is a different ball game. You know you shouldn't be doing that. You know that's going to create problems. You know now you got to hide. And it says this stuff will trip you up to the point, it says here, and let us run with endurance. So what's happening is you're not going to finish your race because you're too bogged down, amen, with all the burdens, too bogged down with, with crossing lines. Now listen, we're not saying that somebody can't be forgiven. Praise ye the Lord for the mercy of God and for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. But think about how many problems and pressures that you've had to deal with in your past because you wouldn't let go of what you should have let go of. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a good thing you came today. Some of you are starting to wonder. I mean, just, I mean, some of that stuff, it's just, it's just bogging you down. It's just tripping you up. It isn't worth it. I said it's not worth it. Well, <clears throat> all right, let's go back, look at another verse. See if we can come up with, see if one we can find one you like here. Um, how about 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26, okay? Let's go back to the race here. <clears throat> thus I run, right? Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, okay? So we remain in the race. We remain temperate. But here's what it says. We remain certain. So here it says we're not to be, you know, not with uncertainty, okay? So... What does uncertainty mean? Let's define it. Uncertainty means indecision, lacking sureness, okay, having no clear resolve, purpose, or aim. So we're, what we want to do is be just the opposite, right? We want to have resolve. We want to have purpose. We want to have aim. We want to we be sure of ourselves. We want to be able to make right decisions because we're anchored in who we are. Still with me? All right. 
So we want to remain sure. Here he's talking about somebody that's unsure, okay? And so uh, thus your fight is as if you're just, you know, you're just swinging, trying to, you know, a lot of Christians, that's what they're doing. How goes the fight, brother? Oh, well, you know. <laughs> okay. Still alive. I'm at least six foot up instead of six foot under. <laughs> but we're supposed to have surety. We're supposed to have certainty. Amen. So that when we do strike, a, you know, a punch at the enemy, we connect. You know, one of the things that wears a boxer out faster than anything is when they put everything they have into a swing and they don't make a connect. So they're sitting there extending all kinds of energy and not for, not for nothing. And a lot of, like I said, a lot of believers, that's, what they, that's how they're running or how they're doing their thing. And so we're supposed to have, we're supposed to have certainty of who we are and what we're doing and what we're about. Still with me? <clears throat> all right, put, uh, put Acts 20. Put that reference up there. And this, of course, in context, is Paul talking. He said, none of these things move me. What things? Well, he just got done being told. Uh, you know, he's got, uh, he's got some pressure up ahead. He's, uh, in fact, even his life is in danger if he continues to go where, where he wants to go, where he needs to go. And he said, but none of these things move me. I'm not going to be distracted by all this stuff. I know where I'm supposed to go. I know my purpose. I know where I'm headed. I'm sure of what I'm doing. I'm certain of what I'm doing. Come on, somebody. I have aim. Hallelujah. I am, I'm going where God said to go. He said, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. Why? So that I may finish my race. And he says, with joy. Well, who'd have thought? Right? Come on, right? Look at your neighbor and say, even with joy, praise the Lord. Finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. So he's talking about here, I, I, I'm called to finish my race and to finish the ministry I'm called to. Come on, somebody. So the only way that's going to happen, amen, I can't be moved by everything. Now, the reason this is so important, because it's all about, if you stop and you think about it, what, what, what happens around us that causes us to be unsure? See, all kinds of distractions. Somebody said something. Somebody did something. Uh, something didn't quite manifest like I thought. I mean, all kinds of things. But what happens is we get distracted with all these things. We get knocked back by something. And then what happens? We start, we start questioning ourselves. We start questioning who we are. We start questioning what we're about. We start questioning where we're going. We start questioning what, what am I called to accomplish. We start questioning it. Questioning it. There you go. Are you with me? So all this stuff starts happening because all because we got caught up in a distraction. Paul, oh, pardon me, Peter walking on water. Walking on water, dude. Walking on water. He gets caught up, sees something. All of a sudden, he starts questioning. That's the second thought, right? The doubt. And why did you doubt? Second thought, he's thinking, nobody in their right mind should be standing on water right now. And that's all it took. He starts sinking. Well, in God, we're water walkers. 
We're prevailed. We, we conquer. We, we overcome. That's what we do. Amen. We keep moving forward. We take ground, praise God. That's what we do. We don't, you know, we don't get moved by, you know, what somebody said or, or uh, moved by whether they're with you or not. Has anybody ever had anybody against you? All two of you? Wow. Anybody in here ever had somebody oppose you? Somebody that thought something of, you know, that wasn't right, but they thought it anyway? Come on. Right? Um, maybe along with that, uh, put Ephesians 6 up there real quick. Uh, put that reference up there. <clears throat> Verse uh, 13 and 14. Um, it, just, it just says that, uh, you know, having done all to stand. Maybe I didn't give it to you. Did I give it to you? I probably didn't give it to you. I'm sorry, Karen. Uh, but it just says, having done all to stand, you what? Stand. Okay. So the point being is, is the whole thing's about we have, we're resisting in the evil day. Amen. Put on the whole armor. Why? Because you've got to resist. There's enemy. Here he comes. Okay. Now, well, I've did everything I know to do. I mean, I've been standing, and I've been standing, and I've been standing, and I've been standing. What do I do now? Having done all to stand, you stand. Put on the armor and stay anchored. Don't be distracted by the resistance or the, the, the opposition and the, uh, what the enemy's trying to do. Amen? Stand your ground. Amen. Are you still with me? All right. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Karen, thank you. Sorry about the confusion back there. Uh, 1 Corinthians, again, verse, chapter 9, verse, uh, verse 27. But I discipline my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I discipline my body. Now, the word to discipline means to subdue or keep under, to bring into compliance, to bridle it, uh, to, to buffet, buffet it, not buffet it, but buffet it. I mean, like a good buffet. Okay, I'm not talking about that. Anyway, talking just the opposite. Amen. So anyway, talking about to, to buffet your body. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, here's just a few statements. Let's do that to kind of move this along so I can get done here. All progress involves some form of process. All progress. If you want to move forward in God, you want to win this race, you want to fulfill this thing, every, every bit of progress involves some form of process. Still with me? Now, that's the part people don't like. I don't like process. I just like progress. Right? But there is no progress without process. In other words, there's no overnight successes. And even the people that sometimes you might think, you know, all of a sudden they just out of nowhere. There they were. And you don't know what, what all the time and the effort and all the things that they put in up to that point, amen, to put them in that position. Still with me? Now, there's, now, listen, okay, every area of your life that is not disciplined eventually turns over to the enemy. Think about this just in naturally speaking. Don't, don't take care of your yard for a month. And all of a sudden you think, Oh! <laughs> 
There's pastor again, swinging off the back rail. Everything gets out of control. Don't take care of the garden, all it takes a week, and it's out of control. Come on, somebody. Don't take care of your body for a month, and then we'll, we'll, we'll find out how much you needed to take care of that thing. Come on, right? Every area gets out, everything, everything gets out of, out of whack. What's not disciplined will eventually change with the wind. Now, again, I've said this earlier, I'm going to say it again here. Most pressures are unnecessary, usually due to a lack of discipline. Okay? And well, let's, you know, we can, we can, you know, depress everybody by talking about, you know, your lack of diligence, you know, lack of, you know, discipline in the area of eating or lack of, lack of exercise or, you know, these natural. But we're also talking this spiritual race you have to run. There, is, there's a, there needs to be discipline in your walk, amen, to keep everything in check. Otherwise, the enemy just, he'll ransack you. Okay, so with that said, <clears throat> the purpose of discipline is to birth a habit. You have to create some good habits. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You have to birth some good habits, okay? Now, those habits start creating your future. We don't, listen, 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 we do not decide our future. Now, listen, we don't decide our future. All right, now, we might have, we might have a vision for what we want, and you might have your faith out there, amen, which you should. Come on, you're seeing where you want to go. You know where you want to, you want to see that thing happen. So you've got your faith out there to see that thing. But if you really stop and break it down, you don't uh, decide your future. You decide your habits. And then your habits begin to create your future. You want to change something uh, going on in your life? Change some things that you do daily. Because it's those daily things. Successes. Are you with me? Listen, come on. Give me, come on. Give me a few more minutes. I mean, these ain't, you know, you know, Pastor, I didn't come to church here about having good habits, man. I just, come on, leave me alone. Listen, you, want, you don't like your life sometimes in certain areas of your life. You can trace successes. Listen, people. You can trace successes to right habits created in your daily routines. You can create, listen, you can trace Failures to the things you allowed in to your daily routine that shouldn't be there. So we could say bad habits. Listen, you want to you you succeed? Create a habit of, of a prayer, a habit of uh, word time, a habit of uh, uh, time spent with the Father, habit of going to church. Sometimes it's just the habit of coming in when the church doors are open. Just walk in and get decontaminated. You'd be amazed how much junk falls off your body just coming in the house. And it takes discipline to do that. You know, I always do better when I go to church, but I just didn't feel like going today. Excuse me? And I don't know why my life's always falling apart. I just don't understand it. Well, there's probably a reason. We're lacking some discipline in some areas. 
Aren't you glad you came to church today? I'm really just doing that for me because I, I'm having an insecure moment. I just want to know you all still love me. All right. Okay, here's a little ditty here about this. Okay, I won't sing it, but here's a ditty. All right. Your habits are creating a future you want or not. Your habits are creating dividends paying little or a lot. Your habits are creating increase or decrease in your life. Your habits are creating days of peace or days of strife. Your habits are creating security or distress. Your habits are creating Eden or a mess. Your habits are creating sickness or health. Your habits are creating poverty or wealth. Your habits. Amen. So habits. So how does that happen? Well, you've got to discipline yourself to create new habits. Now somebody, I don't know, you know, they say out there just the normal thing about creating a new habit takes approximately 21 days, okay? I can't necessarily give you a verse on that, okay? So, uh, but um, they, they say in the natural it takes about 21 days to create a new habit. So you discipline yourself to stick with something. That doesn't mean on the 22nd day you quit, but... But the point is, is you create where, you know, you begin to, to discipline yourself to do something. You know, you had, to, you had to create the bad habit. First time somebody says, you want some tobacco? I said, sure, because all the cool people are doing it. Load up my lip, some snuff, went back to work. At the time, I'm washing off machinery with a hose, and all of a sudden, everything's spinning. <laughs> I hit the ground, and I had another one of those moments. So what I do? Give me some more of that. What are you doing? Trying to train my body to like it. <laughs> you know, stuff that makes you have to lean over a toilet <laughs> or behind the bushes in the back alley, you'd think, maybe. Oh, it could be that you really shouldn't be doing this stuff. I have been lied to. <laughs> Come on now. We've all been there, or maybe not all of us, but most of us. Whew. I discipline my body. I buffet my body. Make it come into alignment, praise God. Why? Because I don't want to be disqualified. So, praise God. Remain disciplined, but here's the last one. Remain qualified. The word qualified, uh, I think it's your, I think it might be the old King James uses the word castaway, but you might not be castaway. It just literally means unapproved, rejected, or not fit for service. Okay, now nobody wants to hear that. In Matthew 22, Jesus said this, that many are called, but few are chosen, selected, elected, or favored. That's what that word means. So everybody's got a call, but not everybody's accepting it. Not everybody's walking in it. Come on, somebody. Not everybody finishes. 2 Timothy 2, he talks about, uh, you know, uh, putting away 
the, 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 the stuff that's dishonorable, the things putting it away, and he says, and become a vessel of honor. Come on, somebody. A vessel of honor that's useful. Come on, for the master. Oh, you got up there. Thank you. A vessel for honor, sanctified even, set apart, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Well, everybody can, can qualify. Everybody can qualify. Everybody's called to qualify, but not everybody does. Some people disqualify themselves. Now, listen, I'm not taking away your salvation. I'm not telling you you're going to hell. But it's hard to be a witness when you're constantly disqualifying yourself all the time. And I want to obtain the prize, so I have to remain qualified. And so making choices, that's where discipline comes in such, uh, so important there. I begin to discipline myself so that I begin to walk these things. Now, just, just for the record, okay, let me give you, I'm not going to turn to all these, but uh, hallelujah. If all you ever go is halfway, all you ever get is halfway, all right? That's why he declared to us to continue in things. Right? So just real quick, all right? 2 Timothy 3 says this, that we must continue in the things which we've learned. Well, I've learned to what? We keep staying in it. John 8 says to continue in His Word. James 1 says to continue looking into the perfect law of liberty. Colossians 4 says continue earnestly in prayer. Acts 13 says to continue in the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 13 says to abide, or same word, continue in faith, hope, love, and the greatest of these, of course, is love. The point being is this, okay, it's through the discipline of remaining and staying with it, amen, where you begin to, well, actually what you do is you keep yourself qualified. Amen. Well, Pastor, I, I struggle with the love walk. Well, who hasn't? Somebody said, well, I haven't. Well, let's, let's pull up one of your family members you don't like, and let's just see. Come on. Or that neighbor. point is, okay, it's, it's continuing that produces, amen, qualification. It's what keeps you in the race. I said it keeps you in the race where you're running this thing. Amen. Get to the end. Obtain your prize. Amen. Well, pastor, it isn't fair. Sometimes it isn't. You know, sometimes that person just really just needs to be punched. Thank you, John. I knew I'd get an agreement with John on this one. Somebody says, whoa, pastor. No, sometimes they just deserve a punch. But you are in a race. So to turn over and start punching the other guy in the other. Somehow messes up the race. Red flags are up. DQ'd. <laughs> it just doesn't work. So it's better to stay in the race, stay temperate, amen, stay disciplined, amen, stay qualified, amen, hallelujah, do this thing right, amen, so you can obtain the prize, amen. Can I hear a big amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Why don't you all stand up? Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Somebody says, well, Pastor, I'm doing it right, but I'm still not feel like I'm getting anywhere. You know, sometimes 
Sometimes, you know, it's not that you're necessarily doing wrong. Sometimes you're just not doing the right thing enough. You just stay with it. Keep doing. That's why he said, having done all to stand, you stand. Okay, you're doing what's right, but keep doing it, praise God. Amen? Don't let the pressure and, uh, you know, the, the obstacles and the issues and all that stuff, the words and all the things that people do and say, don't let that stuff get in the way. Amen? Stay in the race. Receive your prize, praise God. Father, we give you praise and glory once again. We're thankful for your word, thankful for these principles. Thank you, Lord, for a people of God that run the race, praise God, and obtain their prize. And, Father, I give you the praise and the glory, amen, for this people today that they had an ear to hear and a heart to receive. And, Father, we're grateful, we're grateful, amen, that we have, amen, overcoming ability because the greater one, hallelujah, the overcomer himself dwells on the inside. And for that, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.